actually had to have a tow truck with a hose come in and actually fill my truck. And I thank my company for that because uh, that was uh, some pretty scary moments. Then I proceeded to end up getting towed. Uh, yep, Bumpy got towed again. Um, love this truck. Not. And he got towed to a Freightliner dealership in Fargo. And Bandit and I had myself uh, ourselves a nice two-day vacation at the American and I gotta have a shout out to the American. They not only do you have happy hour from five to seven, so man, someone can get really shit to eat this time of the year. But uh, they're just head and shoulders above any uh in I've been at. I mean they provided towels for bandit. They were just awesome. I mean he made it he unfortunately decided to mark his territory in the halls and they really, you know, all you know it happens, just you know, don't worry about it. Uh, but we had them all bundled up when we went outside, and uh, they had a nice complimentary breakfast. And then I proceeded back with that same wonderful load. And what do you think happened to me at the Pembona, North Dakota border? Please tell us. Well, I got basically um, delayed in front of this cigarette uh, parking because um, I was getting a carton of cigarettes. Uh, uh, no, I don't smoke. I got them from my wife. Okay, so don't think I just started smoking. I mean, yeah, it should be a week where I should have been smoking. But anyway, um, so yeah, it wouldn't shift into gear. And then everything just went downhill from there. And I think it was really from the moment that I got out of the truck. Because I got out of the truck at the Gastown uh, truck stop there. And... Um, basically proceeded to go in, buy the cigarettes, and then they give you a tag, like a receipt, and then you are supposed to go over to this little uh, nowhere um, uh, body job of a uh, box truck, and just give them the receipt, they give you the cigarettes, and away you go. Well, it didn't work that way. Okay? As soon as I got in the door and proceeded to give them the receipt, they gave me shit. They actually gave me shit for asking for the red carton as opposed to what they had on the piece of paper, the blue carton. Now, we won't really mention the fact that this lady couldn't walk to set two steps in front of her that was service, serving me back at the truck stop. We won't mention that at all. And she certainly was uh, a little slow up in, in, in the uh, mind area. But anyway, we won't go there. But so the guy got really upset with me. Like, oh, I got to go do some paperwork here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm just going to mess up everything. And I just said, just give me the red, right? So he gives me the red. I get outside. I get in the truck. And then the truck will not go into gear. So um, I want to talk about these people because not only have I had issues with people from Duty Free that sell us cartons of cigarettes and booze, but they seem to have a real attitude problem. I don't know if you picked up on this, Jay, or not. But um, these people really must have very sad little lives. You know, um, living in a bunch of town of Pembina, North Dakota, of 512 people. Yeah, I said it. Where your next door neighbor married your cousin's sister's daughter. The most exciting thing is sitting around watching the cars rust from the frigid minus 60 below winters you idiots have there. And the mosquito infested summer. Yeah, great place. Then you get some sorry excuse, five foot seven piece of shit human being with an attitude, a real hard on for truckers, all because the lazy fat slob wouldn't go eight 
to 10 feet across my truck, okay? So you get a little upset about that, okay? So, you know, I don't know. I'd hate to be a Joe boy for truckers, quite frankly, by serving them cigarettes and booze. And he's putting, then he's putting me down and yelling at me for the company I worked for because I was broke down in front of a cigarette place, right? So, um, and like I said, this truck was pathetic, man. And if you're working out of that and you're in your early 50s, wow, wow. I'm not sure, but I'd say the one who excelled in life was probably the broke-down trucker, not the high schooler Carlix for great dick being the whipping boy to the road haulers. I mean, if your career is working out of a green meat wagon and bitching at truck drivers every day because they ordered the wrong brand of cigarettes, I'd say you probably took a wrong turn in life, okay? So you pathetic small man syndrome pig, okay? Stick a giant candy cane up your ass, rotate on it, and f*** off. Real simple, okay? In fact, all the duty-free workers that worked in this body job had attitude problems. They were extremely unprofessional. They were rude. They were mean. They harassed me. I mean, I'll just paint the picture here. We have one old blue here. He stares at me constantly, going out of the, out of the door every 20 minutes like a stupid deer caught in the headlights. Okay? The other old part had no concept of what a tow truck uh, was and how it was going to take to get from Winnipeg to Canada, which would be about an hour and a half away. Okay? The moron thought it should be basically there. Like I said, 30 to 45 minutes and 45, minus 45 weather. So even though we've got trucks all backed up, we got cars broken down, okay, and, you know, we've got this guy thinking that it's going to be here that soon, really. I mean, and then here's, here's the catalyst, guys. Here's the catalyst. The employees have a bathroom there. Okay? It's a heated outhouse outside. It's not an employee bathroom. It's a stupid outhouse, and they wouldn't let me use it. Okay? And that pissed me off, okay? Because I was nice about it, but then when they did it, well then, you know what old, good old Bry guy's gonna do? I'm gonna make your life a living hell while you sit and park there. And I did every time he came out, I called him every name of the book, and every time it went by, uh, so here's here's my, my, uh, my uh, the whole thing to sum up. If you go by there, get a bottle or a case or a Mickey or even a carton of smokes. I want all the road haulers listening to this podcast. Hey, visit number 14. This is it. Do me a favor. Just one of you, do me a favor. Call that prick, a pansy ass, and tell him it's from Bry Guy. And tell him to have a very fucking Christmas. Well, that's just, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's really. That's hilarious. Really, eh? Like, seriously. Like, I don't even know why these guys have these attitudes like that. Like, remember that bitch that, that was in uh, Portal, North Dakota? That, that I had? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, and, I mean, I'm not yeah. why when I go into them. They, they must have really pathetic, sad little lives. That's all I can say. They, they probably work at the minimum wage. You know, they, they grew up with their high school sweetheart. who probably was a, a prom queen and then became, you know, um, the abominable snowman. And they're probably just miserable, miserable, miserable people. So that's my summation on uh, the Tembina cigarette cops. There we go. So um, let's carry on with our topics. And I'll let you start. Why don't you tell us about these two Christmas movies that you uh, saw? Make it a little more lighter. Okay, so I want to, yeah, of course. Uh, so I want to put it out there. I am not a Hallmark Christmas 
watching girl, right? I, it's just, they annoy me. So I, um, I made a point, being that I'm laid up, I can't do anything, I was going to watch a Christmas movie every day of December. And I've done it so far, but the four or five Hallmark movies, I no thank you. So, a couple days ago, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas Edition. I, I really love the show itself, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? You know, with Chris Pratt and the whole gang. But they do a Christmas uh, edition, and it was hilarious. Like, they had Kevin Bacon in it, and it, it was hilarious. So, I just want to put it out there that, you know, okay, that's my turkey dinner. Um, and then, my youngest son said, hey, watch Murderville and Peel Panther. And I'm like, what is this about? Because it's Will Arnett, who is the host kind of thing, right? And I'm like, okay, tell me more. He goes, it's all improvising. And I'm like, ooh, improv, improv, right? But okay. I watched it. I howled. I laughed so hard over so many things. Jay, if you watch it, you will lose your shit in one part of it. Oh, and as soon as you see it, you will know what I'm talking about. You'll know. And I, like, I was laughing so hard that I was like, okay, you know what? I am missing things. I know I'm missing things. So I rewatched it. I will never do that. I never rewatch a movie. So, like, back to back almost. I rewatched it. So, Murderville, you killed Santa. Freaking hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's not very long. We're talking to you less than an hour. But, um, Jay, as soon as you watch it, you'll go, oh my God, yep, I know it. I know what she's talking about. Yeah, it's way that's Yeah, that's where I found okay. it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was short. Both of them, I believe, I found on Netflix. So you talked about what you did this week, didn't you? What I did this week? I turned my dog bang. That is that's, that's what my life has come down to. Like I, you know, I've got that much time on my hands. Um, every time I looked at my dog, I was like, oh my goodness. So my uh, husband bought me some small little shears, and every time Kramer lays on me, I like trim half of them to his face, you know, and then he'll move over and I'll get the other side. And you know, I'm working down his stuff. He's not going to look like John Snow's uh, jacket much longer the way I'm going. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, watch Game of Thrones, Jon Snow. You know, the big, yeah, Kramer will pick up. I know what you're talking about. So, I've never good. seen it. Um, and yeah, that's all I've done this week. We did celebrate Christmas in Red Deer on Saturday with my parents. Um, and then we're going to be celebrating again this coming Sunday with uh, the kids and, and everyone else. So, yeah. Yeah, I've broken many, many, many bones. Like, 
I just remembered uh, a couple of things that happened to me this week, which is going to tie into some subjects we're going to talk about next week, uh, which is like malware or whatever. I ended up uh, having this, this, this crazy week where I, I literally got, I had to go into my aunt's computer and, uh, you, you know, basically track all the packets in there and ended up finding the hacker. But um, that's going to be a subject for next week. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it like it, it, it's crazy how easy they, they they were able to do it too. But now there's a, a bug bounty for I don't know if names are a good thing right now. Um, might want to save those for after this is all completed. But you know, um, if you uh, if you're with a service provider, just make sure you change your password or something because you know numbers are easy to crack open. Anyways, um, Daniel Smith had actually promised uh, an increase in not just government support but the amount of money going into them. And as of today, everyone got an increase, whether you had uh, children. So so you get more money the more children you have now. Um, so, for example, uh, if you have one child, it's an extra 120 If you have two children, it's an uh, extra $198 and so forth, up to $307. But Daniel Smith seems to be uh, keeping her promises right now. Uh, there, there's going to be also a lot more positives coming from this as the conservatives slowly start to uh, take over everything. And, you know, I, I have to say, uh, I'm really glad she's uh, keeping to all of her promises. She seems to actually, you know, care about people instead of just, you know, taking a paycheck. So uh, that's, that's really good. But hold on. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Okay. Does that not give some of these people, and I don't want to be profiling here, but let's call them the serve lazy ass people. Yeah. Okay. Does that not give them incentive to just get more kids in the family? Well, I mean, okay, it it, it sounds all fine and dandy when you're talking numbers and stuff, but honestly, uh, I mean, if people if people saw that it was like, hey, let's have kids. It's kind of um, it's kind of naive to uh, even contemplate because. I mean, we all know how much it costs to raise a kid in one month. Uh, they're, like, I mean, this goes up to four children, and uh, at four children, they're only paying $307. So, I mean, some people might be like, hey, that's, that's an opportunity where other people may be like, well, you know, it's not even enough to feed the kid for a, a full month, right? Right, and I get that. But, you know, you got to understand the mentality of some of these people. Yeah, for sure. And then getting this amount of money. To them, it's like a freaking gold mine. Okay? So they go, oh, yeah, we can go to the dollar store. We can buy all these things for the kids. We can save the rest of it. And honey, we can get some fries at McDonald's. Well, you know, just to give you an idea, everything pretty much went up like uh, $100. And that's not, that's not even limited to, like, um, you know, people with permanent things. It, it's literally all income support programs, too. So, I mean, keep in mind, though, that the amount they gave, like, say, people with temporary injuries, like, um, on, uh, I don't know, let's say programs like Alberta Works, they only gave them an extra, I don't know, $80. And, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of high in, in hindsight, but, you know, I can't really buy too, too much more. Okay. All right. Well, good for Daniel Smith. Uh, I'll do, like, some of the things he does, but 
I still have a real issue with that because, I mean, I, I've heard of people that are actually doing that. I, you know, I was kind of exaggerating it, but true. They are going to the lesser places to get these things for their kids. And there are many, many people shopping at dollar stores now. Oh, yeah. And because of the economy, and that's not because of the fact that they're pumping out kids. I don't want people to get misled by that. But still, I'm just saying that some people will interpret it that way, Will. Yeah, well, there are other cultures. I'm not going to, you know, single in any, but there are other cultures who also pay for, pay you to have children. And um, I always had that, that same train of thought. Like, uh, I had those same worries. Right. And uh, I don't know, man, like right now, there's a lot of programs that are uh, that are giving more money than some people make in a month working labor jobs. Right. So it's crazy. It is for sure. Anything to add to that there, G-Man? Nope. I don't live in Alberta. DC has been giving away money to, to uh, people for years. All right. That's true. How about you, Oh, yeah. Well, they would do that. And 
Hollywood band. Like, this is unbelievable. All Christmas activities. You couldn't dance. You couldn't uh, have uh, Christmas plays. You couldn't play games. You couldn't sing Christmas carols. Any cheerful celebration and drinking were banned. Now, so, because they didn't Yeah, what was the reason? What was the reason for that? Because the Puritan, Puritan, I don't know if you know what a Puritan is. I don't. Um, a Puritan, they basically evolved into the Protestant church, but they were fanatical. Like, um, they believed that in order to be purely religious, you could not have fun. You basically did not celebrate. Kind of like the kids, Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe in gifts or celebrate holidays or any of that kind of stuff. Same kind of ideas. Um, and uh, this would go on. Oh, up until, oh, in some place in the 50s in the United States. It wasn't a criminal offense, but it just almost became a forgotten holiday. In 1870, even schools still had held classes on Christmas Day. It was, it was just a, it was just a bad time. And you know, and here's a, here's another really cool thing about it. They considered it a, a pagan holiday because Christmas really is a pagan holiday. It has pagan roots. Yeah. Right. And uh, as far as the Puritans were concerned, you ain't having fun, boy. You're gonna drink. Like they were just fanatical. Yeah. Uh, England didn't have it as long. Um, Boston, they, they claim Boston had it from uh, oh, oh, 1859 to eight, uh, six, or 1859 to 1881. But, you know, the damage was done. People really celebrate the holiday. It's not like we do today. Um, wow. Weren't, I mean, what, a lot of it was just that time. Weren't the pagans actually the, the, the first ones to give gifts? Can I 
about your... Well, I, I actually have um, a cologne for every week of, of, of the year. So to, to put that into perspective, um, I have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of cologne in, in my collection, and they're all different. Like, I got... I got all of the normal, well, the, the the average ones that the average person has, but I, I also got some, you know, uh, foreign colognes that that are from, you know, Italian designers and stuff. Yeah, I I, I end up uh, uh, collecting cologne, and uh, I wear according to my mood, actually. And you share about some of the price of these bottles. Well, the most expensive one I have is uh, worth over 300 um, One of the ones that, I, <laughs> uh, that I, I, I can't really afford is over 600 but um, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of bottles in, in my collection that um, you, know, you can't get anymore. So I have a lot of, I, I, I don't know, stuff for people from the ages of 16 to the ages of, I don't know, 70. I have fresh, woody, musk, you name it, I got it right now. I think you even have brute, don't you? Uh, you know what? That's it. That's in the old school collection, but yeah, yeah, I haven't shown you the old school collection yet, bro. <laughs> and I, I believe, are you an old spice guy too? Uh, no. I, like, like my scent is more, uh, I'm just going to be real right now. My, my scent is more, uh, Sergio Ferragamo, or like, uh, what, what, what is, uh, there's, I, I don't know, there, there's Diesel Fist and stuff, but Giorgio Armani or Paco Rabanne is, like, my jam, you know, like, uh, there's Paco Rabanne a million, and I, I mean, everyone knows about that, but they came out with a new one, it's called A Million Lucky, and, uh, that's, uh, about to be in my collection as well, but, uh, you, you know, have I'm, your, uh, you have your cologne collection insured. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of money in, in, involved in, in that one. Um, do I have it insured? No. Should I? Probably. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Like so, did you lose the scent as an agent? Um, What's the oldest cologne you have? Well, that depends. Well, the oldest cologne, <laughs> the oldest cologne I, I possess is about 18 years old. And it still smells like the original. I, I literally have... Uh, some stuff from when I was, you know, 16. Now, now this stuff is is expensive, like extremely expensive. I I was picking this stuff up for like, I don't know, twenty, forty dollars a bottle when when they used to sell it in uh in a a mall down here named Chinook, right? But I mean, right now those same bottles are literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I, I like, yeah, I I don't know. I got um the scent doesn't really wear off unless you uh don't keep the cap on. If you, if you keep the cap on, you should be fine. So that would be like 50 bucks a squirt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I thought I'd heard it. Of, uh, I thought I heard a lot of collections over the years. People have collected weird things, but I will give it to you there, Wayne. You, you got the ultimate cologne collection, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's a little bit of vanilla scented stuff in there. There's some musky, there's some fresh, there's some woody, there's, there's literally everything in there, and, uh, well, a quarter of the collection has come down to Calgary, and when I, when I'm talking a quarter, I'm talking, like, 10 or 15 of the bottles, and, uh, uh, to give you an idea on, on, like, getting these things at retail price, 
but right like we, we don't pay retail price we pay distribute uh distribution price or whatever but um that alone is worth uh over five hundred dollars so you know um yeah i tend to go to you know the, the supplier and uh try to buy them I, I never try to buy them in uh in like stores like the bay or anything no no kidding Joanne, how about you? Have you uh, collected anything other than glitter? I don't collect glitter. I buy glitter and then sell oh. glitter. Oh. Um, okay. Wait a minute. What am I collecting? What am I collecting? You have dust. Okay? Dust. Um, You're co- oh, not collecting dust, dust bunnies. So you got uh, so you so you got bugs dust and then you've got porky pig dust. Is that what you're is that what you're getting? Dust, bust, uh, dust pretty much, pretty much, yeah. All right, so, years ago I used to collect boosters only because I when we was in Covenant, we had this big farmhouse kitchen. It was um Cute. And so I was really into painting, and I painted this wall uh, a really like dark green, and I put a border on it. You know, we're talking thirty some years ago, and um, we were shopping away, and my husband said, "Oh, look at that rooster! It matches your ball." I'm like, "Oh my God, it does! So I want it." And all of a sudden, I had like sixty roosters. I bought that first one by myself, and then everyone went nuts. I've gotten rid of. Um, all but two. I still have two left. Here's one, guys, that you might want to, you know, jog your memory. What did your parents collect? I know what my mom collected. She collected Gone with the Wind plates, and um, we always thought they'd be worth, like, thousands of dollars, but thank you, Black Lives Matter, for making them useless, because they are now. And another thing that she collected was spoons. Um, she collects spoons from all the travels that my, my grandmother uh, would uh, bring back to her. And to this day, if you can believe it, there are still people collecting those stamps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yes, I do. How about you, Jake? Did you collect anything, or did your mother or father collect anything, did you recall? The only thing I collect, the only thing I collect is you. So you're cool. You're actually a tool. I'm a tool for you. Ah, there we go. So I knew you collected something. Oh, I've got tools. Oh man, I got tools that I haven't even—I haven't bought. Like probably still in the package. You never know cheap shit either. Not cheap shit either. I'm talking like kind of like four hundred dollar tools. Kind of like my three thousand movies in, in the horror section because I never watched. Well, yeah, movies. I don't watch your horror guys. Why? Because it might have a clown in it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They scare the shit out of me. I don't like clouds. Okay. I got hope that picture. When I find that picture, when I find that picture, I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you. Uh there's a there's a baby picture of me standing up in my crib and what's like kinda of right beside me, but the poltergeist f***ing clown. Oof. No thanks. No, I I heard that thing. thing. And then people wonder why I don't even though I was like eighteen months old man, I couldn't burn shit. But you know, then you know, Of course, after the LPs, 
you still had the milk card riding around, so you'd put the cassettes in there. And I would collect those cassettes, and I would lose my shit if I was putting a cassette in a cassette player, and all of a sudden, that you know, that, that cassette tape would start rewrapping itself. I think we talked about it in a previous podcast. And, you know, when we get, our, get out the pen and we start pulling the pen out. Yeah, yeah, you know that you didn't break it. Yeah, or it didn't twist. Because, you know, they, you'd have Bruce Springsteen singing Born in the USA, and they'd be like, Born in the USA! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yep, absolutely. No kidding. So, I think we'll take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to tell you guys about the history of the candy cane. Not the candy cane man, the candy cane. We'll be back. Okay, so if you've just joined us, you're listening to visit number 14 of Highway Freaks uh, Christmas Special Podcast. Uh, coming up next podcast, I just want to interject for a minute and tell you, we have Santa Claus. He's coming on to actually um, rebuff Alfie Curly Shoes accusations. So I cannot wait. And apparently he's in some beach in Puerto Vallarta. So uh, this will be very interesting, AJ. Should be. Should be. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you you interview. You are interviewing Santa. So um, I, I think uh, this will be really good, especially with your top-notch interview you did with Alfie Cur- Curly Shoes. I think this will be really you know, good. Man, me and Santa aren't really on good terms. Why is that? Well, I mean, while the rest of you windy bastards are on the on the naughty list, I'm on the you ain't got a hope list. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna go big, go big, man. If you're gonna f up, just go all out. You ain't got a hope. I like it. I like it. So, um, this week. I just had an epiphany. I was I was having one of those candy canes, and I just kind of said to myself, I wonder really where these things evolved. And I decided to start doing some research on it. And, of course, everyone on the damn planet grew up with the all-too-common hard red and white candy known as the candy cane, you know? And I didn't realize that this tasty treat goes back over 100 years ago, guys. That just blew me out of the water. Um, in fact, there's a first historical reference to night, 1670, okay? Uh, and how this happened is a choir master at the Cologne, well, Cathedral in Germany. Oh, I know, I thought you'd like that one. First bent the sugar sticks into the shapes of cane to represent a shepherd's staff. Now, all the while, the candy canes were given out to children during a long-winded nativity service to keep them preoccupied. Uh, so... Um, this evolved where it spread it throughout Europe and later to America because of clergyman's custom of handing out candy during Christmas services. Is that crazy? Okay. So basically, the candy cane was invented so the spoiled brats shut up. <laughs> back then, back then, funny. I know, I like it. Back then, they were white, but alas, candy makers would add sugar and flavored roses to further decorate the candy cane. Now, not until 1847 would the first historical reference to the candy cane appear in Upper uh, America. And this was by a German immigrant named August Ingard. 
what he did is he decorated a spruce tree with these candy canes in his Worcester, Ohio home. And here's the crazy part. Someone was walking by. They saw it. The next thing you know, he's in the newspaper, and it's being publicized as some crazy guy hanging candy on a tree. And everybody goes, wow, I think I'll try that. So 50 years later, the first red and white striped canes appear, and no one knows exactly who invented the red stripes. It is believed, though, in 1919, they started appearing. Now, the culprit, I'm sure you know this name, the culprit was a candy maker by the name of Bob McCormack. Ever heard of McCormack's cook, uh, McCormack cookies? Yeah. 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 So by the middle of the century, his original company was called Bob's Candies, and it became internationally famous for the candy canes. Now, in the beginning, the canes had to be bent by hand to make the tree shape, but this was really costly and very tedious. So his brother-in-law, Gregory Keller, and I've heard of that name before, okay, Basically, what he did is he invented this machine to bend the candy into a J-shape, and immediately production just skyrocketed, okay? Uh, now, the question is, why is the iconic flavor linked to peppermint? You ever wonder about that? Yeah. It's, okay, first of all, peppermint is a strong-smelling hybrid plant. It's a cross between, actually, a water mint and a spearmint. That's what you get. It's called peppermint. And it's actually one of the world's oldest medicinal herbs. And it was used to treat stomach-related illnesses such as indigestion, the nausea in Western and Eastern medicine. Uh, the peppermint was considered the medicinal ingredient back in the early 18th century. And it was often added, added to the sugar mixture because of its cooling taste, which actually helped hide the flavor of other awful tasting drugs people had to take. So here's Bob McCormick. He comes up with this idea and he says, wow, I got a great money-making idea. And boy, did he ever. He took the idea of peppermint and he put it into his red and white striped candy cane. So by the late 1950s, McCormick Candies was a king producer of the candy cane. Do you know what they are putting out per day in candy canes? This will blow you out of the water. 1.8 million candy canes per day with national sales back then of $3.3 million U.S. That is the equivalent of over a billion dollars today. Okay? Now, here's another crazy question. Why is it that most religious people love and consume candy canes? Any idea? No. Pure marketing from some good Christian Bible-thumping person uh, that is unknown to this day, uh, and it is actually claimed that the candy canes are actually upside-down Js, symbolizing J for Jesus. Uh, the red and white stripes represent Christ's blood and purity. Three red stripes are said to symbolize the Holy Trinity, and the hardness of the candy represents the church's foundation on solid rock. Even the, this number one distinct flavor, the candy cane, has a religious connotation. This is how they sum it up. It's called the use of hyssop, and it's a herb referred to in the Old Testament. And today, candy canes come in numerous flavors, colors, and textures. So there's one for anybody, religious or not. But I'm going to blow that myth out right now. First of all, it's not linked to religion, and I'll tell you why. Okay? Candy canes didn't come into their own until the 17th century. Well, religion was older than the 17th century, so enough said about that. So, you know, you guys make your own conclusions on that. So, also, McCormick's candies were also the first to use the cellophane wrap. Do you remember they're all in that wrap? 
you're wondering, why are they always in this weird wrap? You know, I got to bite the ends of them, get a skin cane. Right. Well, it protected them from harmful moisture, right? And, uh, yeah, crazy, huh? That makes right? sense. That makes sense. You know, yeah. So, with uh, candy canes today, they are the number one selling candy in the month of December. And uh, from Thanksgiving to Christmas in the United States, the number one candy, 90% are sold between that time. It thus began and still continues to this day to be the number one uh, candy at Christmas. Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, nobody knows where the barber stripe came from. The, the red and stripe, you know, the, the barber stripe uh, look of a candy cane. Nobody knows about that. But as far as everything goes, that's the history of the candy cane, guys. Oh, wow, that's wild. That's interesting. It is, it is. Now think of how much McCormick's candies and cookies are worth today. Oh, billions, billions, oh, billions. billions. Uh, oh, from, what, from what it's been said is they have five generations of family that are surviving on that one, um, you know, what that one, one uh, invention back in the 1950s. Rick, right. So from 1950, that was a legacy for five generations of McCormick's. Like, wow. good for them. Good for them. Like, that's oh, really cool. cool. You know, I mean, you just literally, you get born as a McCormick. Kind of makes you want to be adopted now as a McCormick. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You just naturally got money. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, let's go to the next topic from Andy. I want to hear about this Netflix special, Don't Answer the Phone. Don't pick up the phone. <laughs> right. I believe, oh, now I'm like, oh, maybe it is Don't Answer the Phone. Um, when you first premiered it, I thought it, do you remember, what's in the early, mid-80s, there was that really scary, uh, movie, um, I believe it was, yeah, oh, right. and I was heavy into babysitting back then, that scared the heck out of me, if I was babysitting and the phone rang, yeah, not answering that, nope. Um, so anyway, I did, uh, watch this Netflix, Don't Pick Up the Phone, and it is based in the state, um, at a few of the, uh, factory places, McDonald's, Hardee's, and Wendy. What happened is, there was a man who would phone in and say, I am a local police officer, you have an employee, a little blonde girl, uh, blah, 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 and didn't give enough information, but enough to, that the manager would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have a girl, yeah, she works tonight, yeah, she's here right now, and this police officer would say, well, uh, we have a, a customer that was in earlier, and she is stating that this young girl stole $50 from her purse or stole something from her, and we need you to you take, um, bring her to the back and, you know, find out what went down. So this manager would be would call in this employee. They would come in and they would be like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. And you check your pockets. Like, listen, you're either going to have to, uh, I'm going to either interview you or we're going to have to call the police and they're going to come and take, pick you up and take you down. And, you know, you'll probably be charged for that. And it goes on from there. Like, I don't really want uh, it for anyone else. Like, uh, uh, what's that word? 
um, when um, you gave out all the information. So, if somebody called and said that they were a police officer and they asked you to do certain things, would you do it? No. No? No. Well, it's not much of a point. Perfect. Well, would you? Okay. Brian? Yeah. Would you uh, what the police tell you to if they called you? Well, I mean, I have kind of a love hate thing for police. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Um, I've had people in my family that are cops, okay? And for the most part, they're pricks, okay? For the most part, okay? I'm not saying all of them, but for the most part, they're dicks, okay? So, um, you know, and I've had some very bad experiences with police, so um, we'll get into that at a later uh, topic um, where... Uh, As do I. There, there was actually a cop that ruined my entire life, so... I literally had a cop set me up in high school, and I, I literally had a hit out on my head for about three years until I ended up getting introduced into the gang life, and, and, and then I had some protection on me. But, man, I, man, I, I have about the same love-hate relationship as you do, bro. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that podcast for sure of, 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 of police and stuff because, I, man, I got lots of stuff on that. Uh, you know, um, I actually broke a police officer's ribs uh, one time, and uh, I was in handcuffs, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, okay, we'll just leave it at that. Right. So, um, okay, so as you were asking some other things, uh, just uh, you're asking me, um, I probably would listen to the police in that case. Yes, I would. Okay, see, I work with a lot of police officers in RCMP, so I, you know, I, I have a, an understanding, but, um, you know, our, our human thought is always to follow authority in certain people, right? Like, we, we as little kids, our parents would be like, you know, be nice to the nice man or whatever, right? But as we get older, we are able to choose, I hope how we want to interact with other people. And if they are of authority and they are abusing it, then, you know, that's, that's their issue. But they can make it your issue. And that's, you know, where it could snowball into um, a life of hell. So um, I would just suggest watching the show. Uh, it was very interesting. And it... It uh, left a knot in my stomach. Like when when it does when the show does that, I like I pay attention. And because majority of the time I'm like playing on my phone, I'm you know sometimes even talking on the phone, texting friends while the movie's on. But this, I was like, hold it down. I am watching this. This was very interesting. So I I started at the beginning where it's only.
After trying to de-escalate the situation over an extended period of time, police said the man refused to comply with an officer's direction. The situation ultimately escalated to the point that an officer discharged their service weapon. The man was immediately given medical attention by officers and by EMS, who were already at the scene. The man has since been transported to the police, to the hospital, in serious and stable condition. So, this man did not listen. He had, was reported to have a, a gun, and after an extended amount of time, things escalated to the point where he got shot. Should he have listened? Yeah, he should have. You know, he wouldn't have a bullet hole in his body. Right? They had no 
reason to choke him to death. They actually, like, there's video, I don't know if you've seen it, but they, they, the, the officer actually physically put his knee on, on, the, on his throat. He could not breathe. And, they, and, and see, here's the thing now. There was a lot of controversy over this because this part, um, well, this is where George Floyd is basically what got Black Lives Matter known, right? And then Black Lives Matter, like, like, think about this, okay? If a white, if a, if a Caucasian person passes away because of a cop, we don't go, white lives matter, why? Because, you know, the, 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 all the other races are going to be like, oh, you're so racist, but we're supposed to sit down and take it when it's a Black Lives Matter movement? Like, I don't know. I don't agree with that. That's a double standard to me. And, uh, you, you know, if, if they want to be treated fairly, treat them as such, right? That means, like, f*** the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, I'm just going to say it right now. It's a racist movement. Why, why does Black Lives Matter instead of, you know, Caucasian, Chinese, whatever? You know, um, do, do, do I agree with the incident? No. However, um, this guy, right, uh, whether he knowingly, I, I don't know if he knowingly did it or not because he, he's not allowed to say but whether he knowingly passed the 20 along or not, I, I, I do feel like um, the training to become a police officer has downgraded a lot over the past uh, couple of decades here. Because now, as opposed to, like, let's say 10 years ago, it takes you a year and a half to become a cop. Now these guys are thrown into courses for three to six months and, and, and thrown onto, you know, streets that they're not used to. Right, so you, you you know you get pussy ass cops, and they're like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna be like gun happy and shit. Of course, you, you know, a big, big bubba comes up to so them. They're gonna be like, oh, I can't take this guy. I've 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 seen cops, and I've seen these big guys take the tasers out. Like what? <laughs> well, I want I want to ask you guys one question. How much money do you think George Floyd's family profited from his death? And I know that sounds oh, callous boy. and cold, but I want to blow oh, your mind. Man. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, sure. okay. you can call you can whitewash it all you want. Twenty-seven million dollars. Twenty-seven million. Okay. Um, Barbara Streisand sent undisclosed stock of Disney to George Floyd's one daughter. Okay. Um, the one basketball player bought the fucking house. Okay. Like, I think this is insane. Not to mention the GoFundMe. Like, you know, that was millions and millions of dollars. And it was so pathetic. I'm sorry, I'm going to use that. They show up on TV and it's like, oh, woe's me, look at my clothes I'm wearing. The next time you see them, they're wearing diamonds. They're wearing ball gowns and, you know, hanging uh, silver watches and Rolexes. Like, unbelievable. Okay, yeah, did they give some money to Black Lives Matter? Oh, absolutely they did. Do they still have $27 million? No, I don't think they do, but I think they profited immensely from it, from all these spinoffs and all these things. I mean, they got, they got George Floyd Day. They got a giant mural up of him with wings like an angel. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't agree with that because, it, like, like it, it, if you look, I, I'm not sure um, about the past, of you guys in, in your charges and stuff, but if you look at his past, he was no angel, that's for sure. Like, yeah, he he did hold a gun to a pregnant lady's head. He did, um, <clears throat> he did have domestic violence, CV, on his record. Um, and you you know, all you have to do is go to uh, I, I think it's US.gov and, and search for the document. You can get them for free. I mean, it, it it it's no secret. And you know, um, even though there there's some parts I don't agree with in a situation. Um, there, there's parts that I do agree with, um, but I do not agree with glorifying somebody who has a path of 
uh, domestic violence or, you, you know, uh, sexual assault. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Wow. What's, your, what's your opinion you know, here, I want to interject there. You know, when somebody dies, find that a lot of times they, they forget about their past, ugly past, and, oh, they were so wonderful. I, I see that so often. Like, I go, you know, if you're a family member or a friend, family member, you know, they're talking shit about their family member and they die, and then all of a sudden, oh, they were such a great guy. No, no, sure. but, um, okay. So, sorry to interject, but you, you bring up a really good point that actually, like, the best uh, situation I, I can give you for that would be XXX Tentacion when he, he faced uh, uh, underage sex charges and, and all that other stuff, and then he dies, and all of a sudden he's glorified. Well, yeah, and then yeah. here's the thing. Does George Floyd, does he deserve statues and parks named after him, guys? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> no. Does he what get, the fuck has does he done? He get, does he get parks and statues named after him? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So, to me, that's a crock of crap, okay? That's where people go over the top. I mean, George Floyd Day and gives the family, the city, to the, you know, the key to the city. And the funny part is, he cost the taxpayer hundreds of thousands of dollars every time he got arrested, okay? But did the family one step in and say, well, we're going to pay that for him? No. Oh, hello. No. They didn't. Give me a break. So... Derek Chavez, he's a police officer there at Gas Junction. Um, he was a 19-year veteran on the police force, and now he's in jail. Um, the way he killed him, that was completely, that was, that was, that was wrong. Like, well, just disgusting. Um, I, I really hate to be the bearer of bad news, um, but according to, like, once all the smoke settled and the court case was over and all that shit, um, Information started being released. Um, he would have died anyway. He was overdosing. He was dying of an overdose as they were. Yeah. I mean, still, the cops shouldn't have fucking done what he did. Um, absolutely not. Yeah. Like George Floyd, Floyd was dying of an overdose. I mean, that's where they have anybody. That's where they have statue trouble with him. If anybody should put a statue up that this his family putting up in the backyard because he made them multi-millionaire. So they, that family got more money than you and I will ever make in a lifetime. Oh, yeah. But if you go back and watch the original footage, the only footage you see is of the cop kneeling on his neck and he's saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Well, watch the full video. Like, three minutes, four minutes before they even got him out of the car, he was saying he couldn't breathe, he couldn't breathe. He was dying. Well, I think he, I think he did have uh, some... Did he have cracking? Did he have cracking? He, he was, he was f***ing higher than kite. Well, I think, I think um, the narrative about him, though, is gradually turning away from him as being a martyr no. and, you know, a good guy. It's, well, it's actually showing that, no, he wasn't, and he would continue on this path had that not happened. And you probably would have heard a very small story of him being arrested, but... That family would never, never have gotten out of poverty like they did. I mean, Christ, no, 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 no. not even close. So, and I've said about that. I believe that they should have um, anything like that. But, you know, also, I don't believe that they should have some of the statues and such that they do have arrested across North America of, you know, leaders, uh, presidents that were, you know, uh, they were 
slave owners and, and such, right? But um, Andrew Jackson, or not Andrew Jackson, um, President Andrew, Andrew, he was one of the worst. Oh, he was a fucking, he killed more people. Oh, I'm sorry, if I can interject yep. here, uh, actually, I'm looking at the documents right now, Jay, and you're, you're right, um, but there was not just one drug found in the system, can, can you guess what the other two were? No. So, no. there was 11 nanograms of fentanyl, uh, 5.6 nanograms of norfentanyl, and 19 nanograms of methamphetamine found in the system when he died. Yeah, see, there you go, there yeah. you go. But still, um, how many other people, like, let's forget about the George Floyd thing. Yeah. How many other people died because of that same kind of being you just subdue people? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a deadly murder. It's a deadly it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't have been f***ing done. I mean, I'm sorry. You don't need to f***ing do that shit to a guy. No. You just don't. No. I mean, I'm not, I have no use for the f***er to begin with. And I just yeah. give shit that he died. Like, man, 
I, I I'm kind of interested to um, know what the what the victims are uh, like stories are because you, you know like you, you got to think right if, if it was an actual part that, that he put in um, the, the people's car or whatever like yeah they gave him money but did did he actually put the part in or did he use the money from Bill to pay, uh or or yeah from Bill to you know put the part in for Bob. And and not not even give it to Bill, right? Like I I don't know, but uh yeah, th- this this guy was caught, he was charged, and uh, it, it it just it's crazy how he was able to charge multiple companies for um, a product that they didn't even even know was ordered. Well, maybe he wanted to put a lot of presents under the Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this maybe, is crazy, maybe, man. Maybe he was just. Maybe he was just prior to being broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was um, it, it's reported that he, like when he got arrested, he was found with fifteen people's information. So I'm um, I'm assuming the the sixty thousand, like the over sixty thousand, came from those fifteen people. And uh, I don't know, man. That's uh, the, 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 I'm kind of glad they, they caught this guy. But you know, in hindsight, it's not as bad as what uh. I actually know goes on goes on down here. There's guys that actually ask people for parts. They're like, "Oh, I'll replace your oil pan," and you know what they replace it with a piece of cardboard. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. One, one good thing came out of it. Well, he doesn't have to pay for Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Three room and board. So, and you know, and, 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 and you know what? You know what else? What's up? Once he gets out of prison. Once he gets out of prison. No one will ever hear his part. Yeah, that's true. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, he's <laughs> on the rope, man. So he's on the rope. And with that one, because we are going to be talking about the weirdest Christmas ever. <laughs> when we come back. All right, so we're back. So, Jay, once again, leave it to Jay, man, to come up with a crazy topic. He decided to come up with the weirdest Christmas ever and ask you guys about it. And we were bantering about this, and that's why you're hearing uh, some connotations to an old folks home. We'll get into that in a minute. Go ahead, Jay. All right. Well, my, my thought is like, hey, man, everybody has their own fetish. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking your fetish, man. Um, my weirdest Christmas. Um, goes back to some of 
I thought my I thought my family was nuts. You guys are on the fucking lunch. So what did you do? Oh, yeah. Did you throw any food? Um, no, but I I I, I did wear some mashed potatoes. A little bit of green. Um, <laughs> I was doing a lot. I was just a. I mean, well, how the fuck do you throw food you don't know? And I, I don't even know what I don't even know what the fight was about. I, I, I have no idea. I'm completely oblivious. But even like her name was Tanya, and even she was in on it, yelling and screaming, fucking this and fucking that. And I'm just like, who's the fuck? You must have thought you were on the camera. I, I, I was, I was just dumbfounded. Yeah, it, it, you know, I mean, I've been in some poorly situations, or like cabbage patch you get at the cabin. And I figured I was going to be the one to mess it up, okay? I figured, yeah, if anybody, if anything's going to happen, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to I'm gonna mess up somewhere. It gets everybody off. I didn't do anything, man. I'm just actually quite proud of I'm quite proud of myself, actually. That was mine. That was my weirdest Christmas. Okay, how about you, Will? You had a weird Christmas? Okay. Oh. You can't just get upstairs to the family bedroom. <laughs> 
The other type is called Viscum, which is of European origin. And the mistletoe also plays host in numerous apple orchards orchard as well as, you guessed it, a parasite. It's partly parasitic as it can produce its own food as well as lift off the branches of, of another tree. So it can not only live off there, but here's the crazy thing, it can live in all types of weather, even frigid weather. Isn't that crazy? Now, it also has some amazing health benefits, guys. Um, Mistletoe tea, flavored with honey, lemon, and cinnamon, are consumed regularly, increasing overall health conditions by people. This type of tea can strengthen the immune system. It can balance blood pressure, good for insomnia, good for alleviating pain, fights cancer, good for diabetes, fights stress, fights inflammation, may support hormonal balance. It can manage menopause systems such as fatigue and trouble sleeping. It regulates hormones when a woman experiences irregular periods. Mistletoe also strengthens the immune system, and it's good for your upper respiratory tract as well. And this is another one that just blew me out of the water. It can actually stop bleeding. So how did this amazing plant be associated with Christmas? How did that happen? Well, again, it started with the Celtic Druids in the first century after Christ had died on the cross. Mistletoe could blossom anytime, any any part of the year. But, interestingly enough, these druids, they viewed it as a sacred symbol of being vivacious. You know what that means, Ange? Yes. Tell us. Tell everybody. Vivacious. Yes. Beautiful. There you go. Yes, sexual, lively. Exactly. And, um, so... So getting back to this, what they did is they administered it to humans and animals so they procreate, okay, um, do, the, do the nasty. The druids usually collected this plant and it's beginning for its amazing medicinal qualities, and that's what they did. But here's the funny part. Um, it was the fact that they, they knew what they had, so they decorated their homes with it, usually around late December, which is what today be considered Christmas. So the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe, it's actually a bit different back then. The ancient Greeks first used mistletoe as part of their worship of Saturnalia, the goddess of crops and fertility. The Druids, however, were magicians and warlocks with it, and they came from Ireland. So... They use this plant to ward off evil spirits, the good luck charm, and to bring good luck. The English people were the original ones that created the custom of kissing under the mistletoe. In the past, they would hang up the mistletoe plants on their doorways or ceilings. The berries would still be attached. Whoever passed under the mistletoe would have to kiss someone they loved or who was available. And if they did not do that, they couldn't marry the, 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 the single woman did not marry or court somebody for the next year because she didn't kiss under the mistletoe. They were that um, superstitious about it. So mistletoe back then was a huge deal for young women. It was believed that a young unmarried woman who refused to kiss under the mistletoe would actually jeopardize her future success in actually trying to find a husband. Isn't that crazy? Now, every time someone kissed someone under the mistletoe, they had to take a berry and had to be removed. So one of the parties had to remove the berry. And once the berry was gone, then the mistletoe ceased to have the kissing properties. So if someone kissed under the mistletoe with no berries, it had no bearing on that single woman trying to find a husband. They had to have the berries. Okay? And the first mistletoe appeared in the film in 1784. This will kind of shock you, Jay. It was called A Christmas Carol. 
and it can be seen in the background of the scene. And then when people started seeing it, they started using it in their homes because that was like, hey, this is an interesting plant. Let's let's start using it in our homes. And then of course it got commercialized and it came kissing under the mistletoe. But that's a fact. What was that? What was, what was that year again? Seventeen eighty four. So that's the history of the mistletoe. So let's go into the night before Christmas on the interstate. This is my my little summation from the night before Christmas, the original. So here we go. It was the night before Christmas on a cold, chilly ice road. I was hauling with my bandit with a very heavy load. Not a lot lizard was stirring, not even a truck stop near. My stockings were soaked, and I wish I had a good Canadian beer. Then I saw children outside making snowmen and beds of snow. As I drove by them, a cold wind started to blow. And Bandit sitting beside me on his throne had just settled down in his warm fur tone. When out of the overpass I saw a swirl of foggy haze, and out of it someone gasped. I think it was Santa. He looked kind of smashed. Away out the truck as I took it out of gear, I walked up to him with deep, big-ass reindeer. The full moon lit up the sky so it was bright. I asked the fat man if he was all right. When what to my wondering eyes I then saw, he was taking another swig of whiskey and breaking the law. More rapid he down that Mickey than he shouted it, driven, drunk and saying, Now Crasher, now Blazer, Francine and Fixture. On vomit, on stupid, that was quite the mixture. To the top of this bridge, to the top over the next roof, I needed another drink and down the chimneys I will go poof. I could feel the presence, uh, the presence under the trees, but I might fall because of my weak knees. So with his cheering, he took off in a flash. I thought he was so drunk, he might just crash. As I drew in my head, the cold wind howled. He gave me one look, smiled, then scowled. He was still wearing his red Santa suit. As Rudolph looked at me, he was so cute. A bundle of toys he was hanging over his back, and he stumbled about like a snowman on crack. I could see his cheeks were red from the booze. That crazy elf was on some sort of a cruise. The stump of his pipe he was losing from his false teeth, and the smoke was now clouding his judgment. Good grief. He had a colored face and a big fat belly that shook like he was about to throw up his jelly. He was chubby, plump, and really looked out of shape. And I think he was even wearing Batman's cape. He was now blinking his eyes and bobbing his head. Soon gave me worries, was he going to end up dead? He couldn't say any words, but went straight to the next house. I could see the old bastard had turned into a drunk louse. And laying his fingers inside of his nose, beside him lay a 40 ounce of vodka with a garden hose. He landed on the roof with such a thud, then he waved back at me such a funny bud. He did his business, came out of the chimney, more sober, as he crawled into his sleigh. Then he yelled back at me, Merry Christmas, Brian, and to all you truckers, hope you have a better day. Yeah. Hey, we got pylon shadows before I do that? Um, no, I, I actually uh, want to give a, give a huge red pylon shout-out to my girlfriend, as uh, not only has she put up with uh, a lot in, in her life, but she's going through uh, a lot right now, and she still holds me down, which is, uh, uh, anybody that knows me personally knows that um, I got a lot of trauma from my past that is uh, that I'm still currently dealing with. Um, I, I guess that can go into another subject. Um, 
you know, if, if you are facing past trauma and uh, you're finding it hard to, you know, cope with life, um, there, 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 there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I had to work on myself, but she, um, my girlfriend, man, she, she's like, um, she's, she's just truly amazing, bro. She, uh, if it wasn't for her, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't even know how life existed without her at this point because she, um, she, she did some big, big, big things for me. I'm, I'm not gonna say what they are. She knows what they are, but man, all, all I can say is, uh, she's, she's giving me, um, Yes, that I've never given, uh, I've never gotten before. Hmm. That's good. Jay, how about you? Danny, Highland Shadows? Let's go. Oh, I'm here. Okay. Do you have nothing? No, I ain't got nothing. Okay. Yes? Uh, one to my cousin, Claudette. He has been, um, a red pylon for her because she's really stepped up and helped, uh, she's been taking care of my parents. And, you know, they're elderly, they are both, you know, um, what my dad is. And she has done so much to take care of them and anything else. Um, and I really do appreciate that. And, yeah, cool, cool. Um, I got a good, really good shout-out. Is this guy from Champion Towing, his name's Brule, and... What he did last night, I mean, here he is towing, uh, you know, Bandit Eye. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the back of uh, the sleeper. We got the curtains closed. Shh, don't tell anybody. And um, all of a sudden, the truck gets let down. And I open the curtains, and there's this tractor trailer in the ditch uh, with the trailer just literally hanging vicariously in the ditch on, you know, on its uh, right-hand side. And he unhooked me. He went over there, and he proceeded to pull it out, but he didn't pull it out from the front. He took the boom, and because uh, it was kind of like one of those rotators you see in Highway Canal, and he pulled that thing up on its side at the back, and that was something to watch. And full uh, kudos to you, bro, from Champion Towing, and I know you're listening to me because I sent you the link. So, uh, wow, what you did was nothing short of amazing, and he did it. In like less than a half hour. Like it was that fast. And he hooked me back up and then we traveled the most ungodly roads coming through Winnipeg. And if you've ever been in a tow truck, uh, and I mean being like being towed by a tow truck in this town of a uh, city of Winnipeg on the roads, they're so god awful. They're, you know, they got ruts in them, they got potholes. Everything in the truck was falling on and at night. We were sitting, like literally sitting in the bed watching shit fall. It was the most insane thing. Like, you know, I was I was surprised that the air fryer wasn't going next because it was just like seriously hanging over the bunk when we stopped. Like, holy crap, that thing would have fell. So, yeah, no more hamburgers, Jay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow was right. So, okay, so we'll get into this reading. Okay, chapter six. Healing their attention. Speaking of stealing, I started to escalate even more severe thefts, and it involved family. Around that time, Grandfather Stevenson had numerous dating businesses situated throughout the town, after many Harvey Woods factory and plant outlets. In that same year, my mom worked full-time for him as an assistant manager at one of his canteens. She brought me there to her work after school, and especially on teacher's PTD. My brother Chuck spent time over at Grandma Stevenson's home, 
My mother knew I had to be watched carefully due to needing constant attention. In truth, she was right. Mom was out in the canteen waiting on tables while I sat on a chair at the snack bar amusing myself with my hockey cards. I was in grade 5, and I thought my dad's father was extremely rich due to owning all these canteens. I figured he had bags of money, so I sat behind the green cash box on the counter just within arm's reach of it. So when my mom waited on tables, her back was turned towards me. I reached over and dipped my right hand into the cash box, pulling out 5 or $10 at a time when no one was observing me. This occurred at least 4 to 5 times in a span of 8 hours, so by the end of the day, I collected 50 to 60 bucks stashed away in my jacket. I only attempted this one on a specific TV day. Nonetheless, the motive for my doing this was not exactly what you expected. Sadly, the real reason I did it was to make new friends. It was quite a challenge for me to get new pals, especially having failed grade 5 for the first time. I saw my best friend, Len Hobson, on to grade 6 at GF Sutherland Public School because I failed grade 5 myself. I was held back, which made it hard for anyone to hang around. So I came up with an idea to gain new friends. The idea I had was to have a party in a nearby park by the school after school. At recess, I got my tent speed by, called my butt over to the nearest variety store with the allotted time before recess was over. There I was, rolling the class, late with three or four bags of pop, chips, candy bars, mojos, and assorted bubble gum, which resulted in a detention. It was by my grade five teacher, Mr. Hutton, who despised me administering the punishment. I know why he hated me so much, too. It's all because of that unfortunate incident in his class the previous week. It all stemmed from when he had escorted the kids outside to look at the eclipse of the sun through his so-called high-powered telescope. He had put on a special lens on the telescope that allowed us to look at the sun without burning our outer eye sockets and going permanently blind. On a dare for some bad kids, who I will get to in a moment, I quickly grabbed the special lens and put it in my pocket when no one was looking. All I heard was a blood-curdling scream when a young girl decided to look through the telescope with her unprotected eye. When my teacher asked who had taken off that lens, my so-called new friend pointed a finger at me. He really shook the hell out of me that day. And after that, Mr. Hutton's public enemy became me. Shortly thereafter, he showed me no mercy if I ever crossed his path. Kids who I thought were my new friends were only too happy to take all my bags of munchies with them now down to the park while I just sat there at my desk writing out stupid lines. They told me not to worry that there would be plenty of snacks after my detention. After my detention was finished, I jumped on my bike and trekked down to Bronson Park where the party was taking place. I had planned on meeting this young girl, Darby Cotton, who really liked me, so this way I could enjoy the party and munchies with her. When I arrived at the park, these bullies started teasing me about Darby being my girlfriend. They started pushing me around and spitting on me. It soon became apparent Darby didn't approve of this, so she started hitting, punching, kicking whoever was harming me. She would think I joined her defending, but instead I just slithered back into the woods and biked home. If you need a girl to fight your own battles at that age, it's probably a good bet she won't stay your girlfriend for too long. After that day, I became very adept at running home from school because for reasons I never understood, that group of kids became my enemy. Quite often, they threatened me in class, stating they would kick the crap out of me after I left for home when school was finished. I learned to run home real fast, and I would cut through my homeowner's backyards to get home safely. The classmate I associated with, Oh Harkle, thought he could beat me up, along with his pal Todd Windermill. Actually, those two had planned to jump me as I walked home from school, but this time, I had other ideas about that. 
When I finished my long jaunt about three quarters of the way home, just a block from my house, I decided I wasn't running anymore. and confronted my attackers. My brother Chuck just walked up behind me and witnessed the whole event. Boy, was he surprised. Mo and Todd caught up with me, yelling they were going to lay a beating on me. Later that evening, my brother Chuck told my mom that Jasper just had a rangy on Mo Harkle that day, that's all. He explained to her that I was all stiff, two legs, and put him in my notorious scissors. So I was squeezing the life out of him so intensely to that point. Mo just started turning blue. Nonetheless, Mo had learned his lessons and messing with me that day. There was a real odd and daily occurrence transpiring while I was participating at Hillcrest Public School, too. My hormones were waking up to the wonderful world of girls. I remember this skinny, sunny, blonde-haired girl who had a real crush on me. I simply can't forget Camilla Ramelton and her sidekick, Roseanne Kovalar. The craziest thing about our little romance was Cam, as I called her, offered me money to chase her and Roseanne around the schoolyard at recess. We're not talking 10 or 25 cents either here, guys. In fact, it usually amounted to $5 a shot for recess. Which was nuts. On Friday, it was always ten dollars that was put in my hands to do the sexy deed. I guess because I accepted the money and I chased her and Roseanne all over the schoolyard. Camilla Ramelton might be considered my second girlfriend. Either that, it was my first time prostituting myself. I mean, we did hold hands. She gave me the odd kiss at recess. Speaking of crushes, I have to mention this now, as it will become rather significant in book three, Road History, when I'm in my late thirties. At that time, my dad drove us up to Tecumseh near Windsor, Ontario, mostly on the weekends. We did this on a regular basis, as my dad had become best friends with an employee who worked with him at RTS Foods. He had long left his original job and entered the vending and catering business, plus he was quite successful at it. Numerous times we rode up there in my dad's 1959 Ford, black Ford two-door Thunderbird. He bought this beautiful rare car when he was just 19 years old. But due to time and lack of money, it needed to look like it just come out of the showroom floor. I recall my father always working longer hours in his new job, but the extra money he made, he restored that classic piece pretty much back to its original condition. There we were, riding up to Windsor to visiting his best friend, Bert, and his kid, wife Karen, we eleven, and their three kids in it. There was Ryan, a high, real, strong, short kid. It was a true outdoors type. He was a slender blonde with coke bottle glasses, but unbelievably extremely large breasts for a young age of 12. Yes, 12. And there was Roslyn, a cute little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, six-year-old firecracker. We enjoyed activities with the Wee Levens, too. Camping at Wildwood, going to the Sand Hills of Turkey Point, a London Fair, and outings such as African Lion Safari near Hamilton, Ontario. The absolute best thing I recall so fondly were all of us canoeing down that dirty little river in Tecumseh. We were extremely close to the B-11s, and I stayed in touch with their kids until I left my hometown when I was 19. Little did I know, and I left a young girl with true aspirations becoming the future Mrs. Jasper Stevenson. That person will be mentioned in more detail towards my third book, Road History, in a series on my life. Moreover, these chapters will make for a good reality show. The Vietnam War finally ended on April 30th, 1975, leaving an estimated 726,000 Allied military deaths another 587,000 civilians dead. U.S. President Gerald Ford escaped two assassination attempts on his life in the month of September. ABC, CBS, and NBC created a family hour whereby an early evening time slot was free from sex and violence. Saturday Night Live premiered on NBC with the former comedian George Carlin hosting it. VCRs were developed in Japan by Sony, Betamax, and Matashita, which changed the way people watch TV. Do you remember the poster age and black lights? Yep, they were in my bedroom at that time as well. 
I was also a big Elvis Presley fan when I was a teenager back then. Even had a poster pinned up from blue and white or plus a provocative picture of Olivia Newton-John dressed up in that tight leather black pantsuit from the movie Grease. I'm sure you remember that, and every teenage boy will remember this. Here are Fawcett sporting the red bathing suit, smiling down at you with your nipples sticking through the bathing suit. How about those quirky TV shows watched in that era as well? There was the Brady Bunch, Leaving the Beaver, The Munsters, and the ever-risque Grease Company starring that blonde bombshell from Stan Summers. Our weekly evening lineup was Emergency 51, 1 out of 12, The Incredible Hulk, Love Boat, Saturday Night Live. There were no computers in that period, and if they were, they cost over $1,000 back then. One of my hobbies were collecting hockey cards and disappearing down to our basement rec room. Then I created two teams with these cards, placing them on the carpet in their different positions, just like a real hockey game setup. A goalie, two defensemen, right, left wings, along with that center. I used the button as a pocket shot to stick back and forth at the goalie hockey cards, which were propped up with another hockey card behind it. I was very creative, and I intended myself for hours with this little pastime of mine. When I was 12 years old, I started seeing a psychiatry state, Dr. Pudelak. Have you ever seen that shrink on the Simpsons? Simpsons? That was what my new analyst looked like. Every other Friday, my mom would have a cab pick me up at school around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We played chess pretty much every time I saw him. He always had these little exercises that helped stimulate my mind and ignite my thinking. Following that, I glanced at shapes of cards we kind of just presented before me and saying the first thing that popped into my mind. I also acted on memory games with rectangles, squares, and diamonds on playing cards. From what I understand, a good deal of what was going on in my pre-pubescent head was that of a sexual nature. In addition, I was told I had anger management issues to deal with. It was explained to me that I'd learn how to deal with my sudden anger or I'd find myself in jail in the near future. That was kind of a wake-up call for me, so I started to expand my horizons by getting involved with a club or something different. Oddly enough, it was at this time in my life I started my earliest radio announcing beginnings of what would become my first real career. I made memos of my voice on one of those ancient push-button tape recorders I inherited from my grandpa Stevenson after he passed away. There I was in my bedroom playing my recorded record player, and after each song finished, I started the tape recorder recording my voice. It was something like this. That was Nazareth on F-U-C-A, and here are the dog. This is Paul, Do Love You All, coming at you this evening. Now let's go to Herbert Fair with news and weather. And normally I'd initiate a different smoky voice for the character of Herbert Fair, the news and weather guy. My big news stories that I led off with were about a poor peanut farmer from Georgia, Jimmy Carter, was elected the 39th president of the United States. Then I got into a story about terrorists who started to grow in the Middle East. Further on, a research story from real news events at that time, such as the U.S. Supreme Court ruling the death penalty to be constitutional. Thus, I disguised my voice as Stanley Sports, recording into the tape recorder about the Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Dallas Cowboys 21-17 at Super Bowl XII. Montreal Canadiens would win another Stanley Cup in a four-game sweep of the Philadelphia Flyers. I recorded all this for hours at a time, and I played it back so I could take notes of my performance. I was quite imaginative and resourceful when it came to announce my radio shows. In fact, they even take television sitcoms on their tape recorder as well. That might be where some of my findings occurred on the TV series WKRP in Cincinnati. My idol at that time was Dr. Johnny Seaver, played by a relatively unknown actor named Howard Heston. I'm probably the only teenager that I know that takes movies and sitcoms on a cassette tape recorder, plus watch the news, whereby nobody my age did that back then. It was also in that year that I was a great find that my mother had found her career as a shoe sales lady, working at Bata Shoes in the Blanford Hall. Furthermore, I've never seen her so happy with a job she loved. 
My dad became the manager of a vending company, RTS Foods. He previously worked for it. True. Ten years following his promotion to that position, my dad ended up being part owner and franchisee. Just another one of the strong traits my pops taught me of a good work ethic. As for my home life, we had new neighbors that were the Sutlins, quite nice German people. There was Merrick Sutlin and his wife, and they had two bright sons, Rafe and Merrick. And on the other side of us were the Seltons, who they had their spoiled granddaughter, Cherish, who lived with them. Behind our house were all our tall green wire rim fence with the mayor of Stockwood. Mayor Jessica and his wife, Hetty, and her mentally challenged 30-year-old brother's son, Stodger. You can always tell whose people they were. The ones were the ones wearing the hockey helmets back then. Along the far left side of our house was a tall line of green, deep, dark green bushes that stood six to seven feet tall and separated us from the Sutland's backyard. Not a day went by where Mr. Sutland was deep heavy and profusely watering his prized bushes. All three of us found it great fun to leap over them when he wasn't looking. Mr. Sutland had purposely grown these because he had a garden of some amazingly tasty deer pears in his backyard. A good many times we left through those bushes with our sights on those pears which picked off the tree. Here's when Mr. Sutland came running out of his back porch yelling at us in a strong German accent. You buggers, get out of my pears, he yelled. In addition to that, when I became a teenager, I often cranked my LP record player loud and distorted sounding. It was Mr. Sutland that yelled at me through my screen window as my bedroom faced the side of the house. He told me if I didn't turn the music down, that he would come over there and smash my record player to pieces. Eric Sutland always said, You are the troublemaker, Luke, not your brother Chuck, it's you. I must admit, I did enjoy listening to my music, just staying in my room at that time. Indeed, music has always been and probably will be a large component of how I stay calm and relaxed. Looking back at what I listened to would be considered classic rock by today's standards. Nazareth, Hair of the Dog, Iron Maid, Evil's Whippet, B-52's Rock Lobster, my all-time favorite band, Def Leppard. On the far side of our large backyard was a short, rickety, white picket fence that separated us from the Helton's backyard. One thing we used to do was play guns with our neighbor, Lynn. I made up my alter ego, Buck Hatchet, and he had a brother, Duke, characterized by my brother, Chuck. I made up a story where Duke had to shoot and kill his brother, Buck, as he'd gone bad and was robbing banks in the Wild West. The most amusing thing, when he got shot, a theatrical form- performance ensued to what we coined a death week. It's usually from a tree, bushes are diving off a four-foot-tall utility box situated in the front corner of the front yard. If we really wanted a more than effective and dangerous death fall, some of us, including me, rolled down the hill right towards the traffic. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone, and we'll talk to you next. Yes, have a Merry Christmas to all my road brothers and sisters out there, and if you're driving over the Christmas holidays, be safe. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas!